0: So, um, I live near, like, I live in a very noisy place. Um, there's an airport nearby. There's kids. Uh, there's like construction going on right now. Um, and there's, there's the call out in mosques. I live near, I think maybe two or three mosques that I can count. Um, and every morning, every evening, there's always the, you know, the call to prayer. Um and today's topic is very interesting. <laughs> and the reason I started with all that was because I I always wait like when I'm always recording, I always wait till late at night or very very early in the morning where I know there's no planes, there's no kids, there's no like call to to the mosque, there's you know there's no background noise like the TV's on or something like that or unnecessary or unexpected noises. I it's just always safer that way. And, um, I apologize in advance for the noise that you might pick up in the background. I hope that I can work on it, that it doesn't affect the recording. Um, but the reason why, um, I was, I'm telling you all this is because I was just prepping, waiting, you know, like i prepped for the episode. I, I know what we're talking about and I'm just waiting. It's evening right now and I'm just waiting for all the noise to die down. And as I'm waiting, um, the call to the mosques just start. the call to prayer, and they start. And, like, the first mosque starts a few seconds, the second one, then I could hear a third one in the distance. And in me, it was this thing that I was just like, you know, like, they get to pray unapologetically. Um, they get to, you know, worship um, unapologetically. It's like on loudspeakers and all this. And it's like, why are you waiting on them to preach the word of God? Why, Why do you have to wait till late at night when the conditions are just right? Um, why are you waiting? Why are you waiting? And it just hit me. as like, yo, <laughs> I'm waiting because others are going first. And the ones that are going before me are false teachers and false preachers. So why am I waiting? And I know that's a very difficult statement to hear, but um, it's the truth. And I don't know where this finds you. I don't know how this finds you. This could be like a funny thing. This could be like one of those existential statements. I don't know. But that's my question that I ask myself. What am I waiting for and why am I waiting? When I've been given the assignment to preach and teach, why am I waiting? And often the response to me has been, I'm waiting for the perfect time. I'm waiting for the right conditions. I'm waiting for whatever it is. I am waiting. Uh, but God is like, now: nah, when I tell you to move, you move. When I put an impression in you to speak, you speak. When I, when I tell you not to move, you don't move. Like the only thing you should be waiting on is my voice. So here I am ready to start this new episode, this new series in today's episode. Um, and I'm excited for it because it's going to be so amazing. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's go. So, um, this is going to be amazing. Uh, I've, I know I've already said that I'm super excited. I need to stop like click baiting people or like baiting to like, to wait like a few moments. I should just be saying this is, this is what we're talking about uh, today. So I'll, I'll start next in the next episode because I know I've already baited people thus far. Today's episode is, um, the first of a four part conversation that we're going to have that I called, like it or not, um, it is a series that is focused on the nature of God, <clears throat> and it is four things that I picked that I know we may like or we may not like, but like it or not, God is that is God's nature. That is what He does. That is who He is. And you get on board. <laughs> you basically ship up, uh, shape up, or ship out. I think that's the that's the that's the saying. Um, and it's, to some people, this could be a lot of information to take in. To others, it could be very hard to, to listen. Uh, but to all of us, I hope, we'll be freeing. Um, and today, what we're starting with in this four-part conversation is, like it or not, God judges. Now, I... I wanted to start with this one because the previous episode, we talked about judgment and the judgment that we have as Christians. And I know I said that you should hold me accountable to have the wider conversation on all the types of judgments that we see in the Bible. And I'm still asking you to hold me accountable to that because it's an amazing conversation. Um, and today, we just dig deeper into that. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode about judgment, um, I would urge you, um, if this is what you listening to before then, please stop. Go back and listen to it. It lays down a very, very firm foundation, things that I'm not going to touch on because I touched on in the previous episode. Um, and it's, I'm just going to pick up from like certain places um, that I've already talked about. So it would be very good if you have the right context and context was something that we talked about in the previous episode. Um, so yeah, here we are. Like it or not, God judges. This is a statement that has been used and misused. Um, because it has it has been convenient to some people, and it has been um, a weapon. It has been weaponized to others. And the reason why I started with the um, with the statement or the story that I was telling you, where ultimately it's um, like it's it's me digging on um, Islam and uh, you know the falseness of that religion and that teaching, and I stand by that, not because of. Like my own standard, but because of God's standard, I stand by that. And it's, I said, I gave that story because I wanted to set up the premise for this episode, where you like it or not, God judges. Um, in the previous episode, I talked about our responsibility when it comes to non believers. It is to love on them. It is to minister. It is to preach the gospel. That is how we love to preach the gospel. Um, today we're going to touch on the judgment that comes from God and how that looks like and how it's different from what we have been called to judge amongst Christians and how we've been called to love when it comes to um, outsiders, unbelievers. There's going to be a lot of scripture. I am so excited, so, so excited because I love these episodes that have a lot of scripture because it ranges from Old Testament to New Testament. And it just shows how beautiful the word of God is and how it confirms itself in its own word and how it is enough. And that is the first point for anyone taking notes. The power of the simple gospel. Um, (laughs) the gospel is not just the four books, uh, like, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are called the gospels, but the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. And if, um, the Bible is anything to go off, to go off of, uh, you know, the book of John just talks about in the beginning was the word, the word was God and God was with the word and nothing existed, uh, Nothing that exists did not existed without him, or everything that exists exists through him. So the entire word of God is the gospel because it brings us it shows us the it, it like leads us through the narrative of um, falling away from God. Uh, being redeemed by sacrifice and then being made whole by the ultimate sacrifice and then one day being made close or being brought to Him. Basically, uh, you know, justification, sanctification, glorification. I think I missed one. Have I missed one? I think so. Anyway, but forgive me for the Bible scholars out there. Um, the simple power of the gospel. This is something that has been so lost on us. Um, <laughs> we, it's 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 very interesting that I am recording this today because I've had a week where I've had many conversations with different people, quite different, about what the gospel is and the simple power of the gospel. And that, like that thing, is very important. I need you to like really understand that the simple, simple power of the gospel. See, we have no hope of understanding the gospel in its fullness today if we don't grasp the whole Bible. Basically, what we have is enough. And that's something that people don't want to hear. They don't don't want to, like, today, that is such, it's such an underwhelming statement because like this, like this is all. We just take the Bible like Old Testament, New Testament, that's it. Is, Is this all there is? And it might sound like something that we don't do, but I know I have found myself doing it where I'm complimenting or taking, I'm, I'm adding or taking away from the gospel because it suits the conversation I'm in, the time I'm in, the places I'm in. And in, in extreme cases, it suits the sin that I am committing. It, it allows me to live with myself in a way that I don't take accountability and I'm not responsible for anything that happens. And that again, go back to the previous episode and listen to the reasons why we don't like judging. See, it's, it's, it's very interesting. I was listening to um, a snippet that was caught on a uh, YouTube channel that I follow and I really love. Um, there, it, it, this man was talking about how 6,000 years worth of individuals that have come um, after Christ, most of whom were really close to the time that Christ existed, have believed in one thing, have believed, have like believed and lived their lives in one way that we see in the Bible. And then you bring it all the way to us today in the 21st century in 2023. And all of a sudden we have a better way of doing things. Like it's so crazy. We have, as a generation, we have undone all the teachings that have come before us based off of seminary degrees. And TikTok content How foolish Like that, that to me Is foolishness at its best The need for inclusivity Has numbed us so much To the nature and truth Of who God is Like, like it or not God judges And we're going to get into that But before we get into that I want to add something else Like it or not There is a black and white Joshua, Moses, Jesus, Paul, they did not speak out of turn when they said this and implied this very heavily. There is a black and white people. I I am so sorry if this offends you. I am so sorry if you're trying to traverse the the line in either talent, in ministry, in education, in business, whatever it is. You have come to the place where you are convinced there is no black and white like it's a case by case basis. I am so sorry. But the Bible that we stand on, if you call yourself a Christian and you proclaim Jesus is the King and Savior, the Bible that we stand on clearly says there is a black and white. And the standard, we're going to talk about that, but we know the standard is perfection. And like hold on to that because I'm going to come and explain it later on. But the fact that the standard is perfection does not mean that because we cannot attain it, then we bring the standards down. It's not about moralistic therapeutic deism it's not about making ourselves feel good it's about who god actually is and the truth about god so i just wanted to lay that foundation over the foundation from last week's episode again if you're still listening right now and you have not listened to my warnings about stopping and going to listen to the previous episode stop it get some help okay Go back to the previous episode, get a firm foundation, come back into this and have a good understanding of where we're going, of where we're at and where we're going with this whole conversation. So, yeah, the foolishness of our generation. Um, I don't think it's new. I think there has been foolishness in every single generation. I just think that it goes on getting worse and worse. It gets more intense, it gets more perverted. Um, I don't think it It's anything that is that there's anything done that is new. Um, It's just different ways of the same sin that was being practiced in previous times. Actually, I would would argue that the perversion we have today is not as much as the perversion that we had back in the day, back in the Old Testament, because I read some of those things and I'm like, yo, I cannot believe this was mainstream. Um, It's crazy. But here we are thinking that we're doing a new thing thinking that we're complimenting, thinking that that we're being more relatable. And let me tell you, that thing makes me so sick. To think that we have what it takes to turn a soul from the ways of the world to the ways of God. We don't have what it takes. Oh my goodness, we need to get that down. Only God can do that. No one else and nothing else. There is no eloquence. There is no power that we possess in our human form, in our human body, in our human capacity. There is no money. There is no teaching. There is no love that we can give in our form outside of Christ that can ever turn anyone. I don't care if you go to the club to have people saved. I don't care if you, if you, if you, you know, go to the brothels and like stay there till everyone is saved I, outside of you is where the power is, the true power is. And we're going to talk about this in one way, shape, or form as we go down this whole series. But today, like it or not, God judges. So I've talked about the simplicity of the gospel and the power in the simplicity of the gospel, the power in a simple gospel. The second thing is the nature of God inside justice, the nature of God in justice. And I love this verse that we're going to read, it starts from, I told you there's going to be a lot of verses, so here's where we start. Deuteronomy 32, 1 to 4. So for context, uh, Moses has just handed over power to Joshua, and he's he addresses the Israelites, and then he the, in this point, he is singing a song to the Lord our God. And here's how it goes. Deuteronomy 32, 1 to 4. I'm going to read from 1 to 4. This is in the NLT. I loved it in the NLT version. It says, listen, O heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words that I say. Let my teachings fall on you like rain. Let my speech settle like dew. Let my words fall like rain on tender grass, like gentle showers on young plants. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. How glorious is our God. And here's the first that I want to focus on. He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. And he, he is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright he is. Now it goes on, I, I'd encourage you to read it in its full context because it is such a beautiful song from Moses to God. But I want to focus on three things that Moses talks about. He talks about the perfect deeds of God He talks about the justness and fairness of God And he talks about the glorious nature of God These are very Very like Like they are complete natures of God Like he has perfect deeds There is no thing that God does that is wrong There is no thing that God does that is unjust That is unfair There's no thing that God does that is not glorious. That is not in the nature of God. Why do we know this? Because he is perfection. He loves perfectly. He gets angry perfectly. He has wrath that is perfect. He has sacrifice that is perfect. And he judges perfectly. That is another kind of like mini foundation as we get into this. As we get into the third point, which is The intentionality of God. Mm. So here we go to the book of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 26 to 31. Uh, This is Jesus speaking and he says, um, again, there's a wider context to this. Go and read it. Um, Guys, always make sure that when I'm preaching, teaching or like talking to you about, you know, as we get into the verses, put a note down. Go back and confirm what I'm saying, because that's how we grow as Christians. It says, test the word. Test every spirit against the word of God. Test it against the scripture. So test me against the scripture of God. So uh, Matthew 10, 26 to 31. Basically, I'm asking you to judge me. Um, and it says, don't be afraid of those who threaten you. For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be will be revealed. And all the secrets will be made known to all. What I tell you now in the darkness, shout aboard when daylight comes, when daybreak comes, sorry. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the, from the housetops. Uh, Somebody just say rooftops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill the body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both your soul and your body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin. But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. you are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. The intentionality of God. I love this verse because this is what it shows. As we talk about the, the nature of God, because like we just we're building around it. so track with me, please. As we talk about the nature of God, it is important to know the intentionality that He has, because this is something that we often forget we we assume god is human it's never like a conscious thing but it's just something that we have assumed like we see god and we're just like yeah he's he's a good father yeah you know it's who he is you know he is he is good he is loving he's all these things but there's a part of us that has attributed human nature to him and part of that human nature is that god loves us but he can make he can make mistakes sometimes we would never say it out loud Understand me. would never say it out loud, but it's something that we end up thinking because we do not sharpen ourselves with the word of God. And it is an easy trap to fall into because we start to associate God with the best human being we've ever seen. And at the end of the day, you're still comparing God to a human being. And the best human being that we know loves us, but still makes mistakes. And so that's why it's so hard to think that God can judge imperfectly or even that God judges we have schools of thought growing coming out today in Christianity that say God is not going to judge and that his judgment is going to be temporary and that there will be you know insert any excuse there will be ABC because they have fallen into the trap of thinking that God is thinking God does not think God has thought before the beginning of time and everything he's acting on now is a perfect thought that he has spoken And as he has spoken it, his word does not come back void. So I love this verse and I I, I wanted to include it in this discussion because it shows us the intentionality of God. He shows us and if we look at it, you know, we can look at it from the point of love and it makes sense when when it's from the point of love, which is to show us our own predisposition. Because if, if, we, if we look at it from the point of hate, it also makes sense, but it's very uncomfortable. If we look at it from the point of judgment, it's very uncomfortable, but it's, it's true. Because it says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear God. If you must fear someone, fear God, who destroys both the soul and the body in hell. Now, if I, if I turn again and say, this is what God declares to all the enemies, to all his enemies, we'll shout yes and Amen. But if I turn and say this is what God declares to us, the amens are going to get lower. It's going to get uncomfortable. It's going to get embarrassing even. It's going to get very, uh, you know, this is where words start to get thrown out, legalistic or, um, you know, like um, loveless or stuff like that. But it is the truth. God destroys the body and the soul in hell. But that's not what I wanted to focus on. I wanted to focus on that last part, which says like, he knows the numbers on our heads, the numbers of hair on our heads. And again, if you focus on this on the, on the positive side, it is so life bringing. But the moment we talk about judgment, like, oh, if he is this intentional, then we must admit that even in his judgment, he is just as intentional because he has judged and continues to judge every single hair that is numbered on our head. That is uncomfortable. But yet the flip side is something that we celebrate because you go through something like, man, God knows me. God knows my heart. You know, he's counted all the numbers of hair in my head and we use that as a mantra. But then when it comes to judgment, we don't want to because it is very uncomfortable. To know that he can judge perfectly because he knows us, because he knows the numbers of hair in our head. He is that intentional. That is God. And when we go here, the, the whenever I've been in these conversations with people, they always go to, and again, this is why I started with the example that I was giving at the beginning. They always go into this place where it's like, okay, so assuming what you're saying is true, I just don't believe, and this is what people will say, I just don't think, I just don't believe that everyone who doesn't know God will go to hell. I don't believe that because it's quite unfair. And I'm just like... Okay, let's break that down. And that's what I want to do with you guys. Let's break that down, the judgment of God. So we've seen his nature. We've seen that he is perfect above, above everything else. We've seen that he is intentional, that he knows the numbers of hairs on our heads. And because we know that he is perfect and he is intentional, then we need to start entertaining the idea, at the very least, entertaining the idea that he is in full control of everything. And if he is in full control of everything, then we must again entertain the idea that every single person will get a chance. A chance to know God, to know of him. And I'm not talking about knowing, like, the Bible. There are a lot of people who will not get to know the Bible. There are a lot of people in the Bible who didn't know the Bible because it was being written. It was being, it was being recorded and written during their time. It was being, um, you know, it was developing during their time, but it was counted to them as righteousness. Their faith was counted to them as righteousness. So there's a big difference between reading the Bible and knowing God. And again, more accountability hold me responsible to having a conversation that because it just hit me that would be an amazing conversation to have in a panel so I will plan that and I cannot wait to kind of break that down but back on this everyone gets a chance and the verse I want to go to is in Romans Romans 1 18 to 23 and he talks about the wrath uh, God's wrath against sinful humanity talk about a subheading <laughs> So this is what it says. This is in the NIV version. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godless, the, all the godlessness and the wickedness of people. Those people that suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of time, And exchange the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. So when I started the whole conversation with the mosques that surround me, it's not like there are not churches around as well. It's not like living among Muslims that I am not a Christian. It's not that in these pra- in the, in this in in these places in these areas the sun doesn't shine, the wind doesn't blow, the oxygen is non-existent. No, no, no. All these things happen, and the Bible says that in that nature, you see God. But it is because of a intentional lack, lack of understanding, an intentional lack of. That, that desire to know an intentional lack, like, and I know this opens up a conversation and I am here for it, but just not now. <laughs> um, because of this intentional lack, then God is not seen. And it's quite interesting because every day that we wake up, we have a choice. We have a choice to see the hand of God in our lives. We have a choice to see to not see the hand of God in our lives. He gives us that choice. Now, the power that allows us to make that choice is outside of us, but we have that choice. You say yes or you say no. And trust me, I know the heaviness of what I am trying to relay. I know the heaviness of what you think you're understanding. I know the heaviness of saying that, Islam is a false religion. I know the heaviness of that because I have friends who are Muslims. I have very close friends that are Muslims that I preach the word to every day, every single moment. They know that I have a podcast. They know that every time we meet the conversation, one way, shape or form, not in a forceful way, but it's going to end up in... Just talking about God and His goodness. And we're going to have a conversation about the Quran and, you know, the Prophet Muhammad. We're going to have a conversation about all the hadiths. We're going to have a conversation about the gospel and all the, you know, all the epistles. We're going to have a conversation about the Torah and the laws of Moses. We're going to have these conversations. We're also going to talk about food. We're going to talk about movies. We're going to talk about music. We're going to talk about. You know, our days, how we're doing, our hearts. We're going to talk about our health. We're going to talk about so many things. And in all these things, I proclaim Jesus. I proclaim God, not in, uh, in a way where I go out of my way to just always know, no, 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 it's Jesus. It's Jesus. No, no, no. But I make sure that my fruit speaks nothing short of the kingdom of God. And yet, every day, I go to sleep and I wake up and they don't accept the biblical gospel. And at first the question for me was like, why should they accept it? What if if I'm wrong? What What if they're right and I'm the one who's not accepting it? And that's probably what you could be asking yourself in very many scenarios. I'm not just talking about Christians and Muslims. I'm talking about all other areas of life with people that are not believers. Or even within your own mind, like there are things that you don't believe, that you don't, that you don't ascribe to, that you you know, you call yourself a Christian, but you know that mm, you draw a line somewhere. What makes you think that you're right, Izzy? What makes what makes them wrong? What makes me right? What if it's the opposite this whole time? What if they're right and I'm wrong and I'm just as passionate? The answer to that is simple. Truth prevails The truth of God prevails It's not that hard Like not, like not, not the truth of God The truth prevails and the truth is God <laughs> That is the truth Like it or not, that's the truth In every single form of nature you will not look at it and not have an awe for a creator behind that nature, behind that thing, behind that structure. And that's why I always encourage people, including my friends and also myself. I always, I always challenge myself to go and like, uh, go sightseeing, you know, just view like a huge mountain or like go to the ocean or go to the lake, go somewhere where I feel the smallness of my humanity. And I look up like, you know, go stargazing where I just look up and admire the universe. I look up and admire all the things that that have been created and how they've been created, all the way to the very small things, like I go to the park and I just admire the butterflies and I just, I look at the ground, I look at everything and, you know, I look at the trees and I'm just like, this did not exist on its own. This is the evidence of a creator, not just a, any creator, a creator with an intelligence, because the way these things work and the way that we've seen science confirming these things work, we find very amazing similarities between anatomy in the human nature, in the human body, and things that we're just now discovering out in the cosmos. We see similarities. We see we see our body mimic the stars in different patterns, in like so many ways. I wish I could just pour my knowledge that I have on whoever's listening, but if you don't know some of these things, well, I would encourage you to just go do some simple research, just on YouTube even. Just look at what science has discovered over the last few years even, and how similar it is to things that we have in our body, which is evidence of an intelligent creator. And now the question after that becomes, well, who is the intelligent creator? And when you go down that road, I guarantee you, and this is this is not me vouching for Christianity. God does not need me to defend him. I went down that road in search of what is truth? Is there truth? What is truth? And who is truth? And I found God. At the end of all that, I wasn't looking for God. In fact, I was hoping that it wouldn't be God because that would justify and allow me to go living on how I want to live. And this God is about relationship. And part of relationship is judgment. Ultimately, ultimately, it's about judgment. Or rather, ultimately, it ends in judgment. Because if you do not accept relationship, then you will be left to your own desires. And we see this in this verse that I'm reading. If you go on, um, you know, like reading... In 24 to the end of it, we see that God gives them over to the sinful desires. Not angrily, not hatefully. He's like, if, if you don't want me, if you don't want relationship, then go and chase whatever you want. But I will give you life long enough to deplete every single instance and every single chance that I have put in front of you to get to know me. And when that day comes, when you have depleted every single chance that I have put you in, then I will have to take back what I have given you. And that doesn't sit right with a lot of Christians, <laughs> because we fix God into our thinking, believing that he can't possibly be in touch with every single person because that's impossible. How can God really be? Like, we tell ourselves that, I've never seen this, I've never seen it. yet we have the internet. An invention of man that can handle communication between two people in different areas of the world and can handle at the same time communication between every single person in the world with access to the internet and one person. One person can tweet here and millions of people around the world get the message. But we cannot believe that about God. We cannot believe that he is infinitely more capable of being so involved in our lives that every single moment is a revelation of who he is and an invitation to get into his kingdom. It's impossible for us to think that because, because we do not want to believe that he will ultimately judge because that judgment is harsh. But like it or not, God judges. Wow, okay. Okay. It's getting hot And I hope it is for you Because um, (laughs) I'm not pulling I'm not pulling Any punches today We need to get this Especially as Christians We need to get this Because we are living Mediocre lives And guys We've been called to So much more So much more Oh man Okay Oh I'm gonna move on Because there's more verses To cover It's, It's so amazing Um all right, so we're going to the next part, the next point. And it's, it's the next point, but it's also a new kind of subtopic because now we're going into the judgment itself. And the first thing we have to talk about is the outcome of judgment. And for this, we're going to go to Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 to 15. I'm going to read it all, and then I'm going to tell you where we're going to focus. Um, so the subtopic is the judgment of God. Um, and it says, Then I saw a great white throne, And him who had who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them to hide. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were open. Another book was open, which was the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they did, what according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up their dead. Uh, Sorry, the sea gave up the dead that were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So I want to focus on um, verse 15. It says, Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. The first point, what is the outcome of judgment? It's simple. It is life or death. And not just any life or death. It is a life or death that is in eternity. And again, these are conversations that we don't like to go into because you don't want to believe that your neighbor, the unbeliever, the atheist, the whatever they are, You don't want to believe that they're going to go to hell for eternity. You don't want to believe that that person that you know is good is going to go to hell for eternity. But we have no problem believing that every rapist, every killer, every whatever you want to put it, every criminal that is in jail deserves to rot in hell. Isn't that what we say? Isn't that the standard that we put? So it shows that we have a double standard where we have the ability to fathom eternity. But we don't. And it, it's, it's very strange that, that it takes loss most of the time for us to acknowledge eternity because every time someone dies, regardless of how they died or who they were, we always say that they're up with God looking down on us. They're up with the angels looking down on us. Stop lying to yourself. But it's funny because in these moments we acknowledge eternity because it is a convenient truth. And then in other moments, we deny eternity because it is an inconvenient truth. So we would, we would, we would much rather live in bliss of, in the bliss of ignorance than to actually prod and acknowledge that there is an eternity. And that eternity is split in two because there is a black and white. It is life. It is death. There is no in between. There is no praying for someone out of purgatory into the kingdom of God. There is no praying for the soul of individuals. There is no way that you get to hell and then you suffer a bit and then you are released. There is no such thing. I know I've stepped on a lot of toes there. But it's the truth. There's no such thing. It is life. It is death. And life and death eternal. That is the outcome of judgment. Judgment. That's what Jesus was saying. If you need someone to fear, you better fear God. In fact, you should fear God because he has the ability to destroy both the body and the soul. And guys, it is so strange. The devil is making us believe, genuinely believe in a lack of eternity. There is no eternity. We have been made to believe that this life is our best life. That this life is our only life. And we need to make it count. And how do we make it count? By doing anything and everything. So many souls have been lost and those that have not already died are living dead. Man. The outcome of judgment is life or death in eternity. The second thing in this drop down menu is the standard of judgment. And for this I'm going to go to two verses. The first one is first is 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 18. Here we're being warned against um idolatry. I'm just going to read it out. It says this is the NIV NIV version again. I think all the verses that I'm going to be reading are in the NIV version except the first one, the Deuteronomy. So it says do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God has said. And this is what God said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore come out from them and be separate Says the Lord Touch no unclean thing And I will receive you And I will be a father to you And you will be my sons and daughters Says the Lord Almighty That is the word of the Lord How uncomfortable is that? Because today we want to be relatable It's like oh I need to reach the You know the people that are in my class I need to do ABC So I must compromise on these things And we don't say it out loud But that's what we do We start to erase labels because it's like, oh, that just doesn't fit or, oh, that's exclusionary. Who told you that it's your job to decide what is godly and ungodly because of the number of people that are lost in a certain way of life? Who said that except our intuition in today's generation? And I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning. It is the highest level of foolishness to think That we have a heart that is bigger than the heart of God. That when God was saying the things that he is saying, even in this verse that we read, that it is, that we have a bigger heart for God and a bigger capacity that we can handle the things that he has told us to not do. Because my heart cries. If your heart cries, get some tissues. Okay? I, it, it is, guys, it is freeing to be found in Christ. It is freeing to delight in his law. It is freeing to see the wonder-working power. It is so freeing. It is a prison to think that we have a bigger heart than the heart of God for humanity. That when God said certain things, he was wrong or he wasn't thinking right or it was for that time or was it? No, 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 categorically no. Respect yourselves. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. That's what we're in today. And it has seeped into the church so powerfully that that is the message that we're in where I would rather preach a relatable message than to preach the simple gospel of Christ. I would rather create a spectacular performance that brings people from outside the street so that they can be saved. Who told you that's how people get saved? Well, seminary told us that. Well, history told us that. Well, my mama told me that. My father told me that. Oh, my friend got saved that way. Do you not know that that is the grace of God? The grace of God on people that did things wrong, but still ended up right. Have you not seen that in the Bible? How many people do we see in the Bible who get things so wrong, but God turns it around and he uses it for his good. That does not give us the license to go out and intentionally not know the word of God, but because something worked on us or something worked on an entire generation, we think that we can carry that on because that is the heart of God. It's not. And I can tell you for a fact, like it or not, God will judge that. And this verse is in the New Testament. So you can't tell me, oh, Old Testament, first of all, that's a very strong man argument. It's a very, it's a very weak argument. That the Old Testament is not relatable to the New Testament. The Bible confirms itself, and this is something that was spoken in the Old Testament. I just can't remember where it looks, Deuteronomy-ish, Isaiah-ish. I don't know. I don't. You know. I stand corrected. But it's the same word that was there in the Old Testament, that is in the New Testament, that is there today in 2023, that is there in the time that you're listening this, that, that you're listening to this, whatever year, whatever century. If you're under the sound of my voice, I want you to know that this still stands true to this day. Anything less is the definition of foolishness. From this, we can already see what the standard of judgment is. Perfection. And that's something we talked about last week. I told you I was going to read two verses on this. And the second one is is in Matthew 5, verse 48. And this is Jesus talking about... Again, love for our enemies, and read the whole context because it talks about how we're supposed to love our neighbors, and you know how we are with the children of God, and it's it's an amazing read. But I'm going to focus on the last thing that he says, which is, be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. What is the standard of judgment? It is the nature of God. What is the nature of God? It is perfection. What have we been called into? We have been called into perfection. Point blank. Period. Like it or not. That is the standard. Third point. What is our chance in having a favorable judgment? Again, going back to Matthew, Jesus speaking, I mean, Jesus speaks throughout the whole Bible. But this is Jesus, fully fully God, fully man, speaking to his disciples. Matthew chapter 19, verse 23, 26. So he has come from talking about the rich man and the kingdom of God. Um, and his disciples come to him and they ask him a question. And so this is the verse from 23. I'm going to read from 23 to 26. Um, then Jesus says to his disciples, truly, I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Then the disciples, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So what is our chance for a favorable judgment? Impossibility. That's the, that's the shot we have. <laughs> when you think about judgment, when you think about es- like the escaping the judgment of God being thrown into hell, being thrown into the lake of fire for all eternity, what chance do we have of escaping that? Zero. According to Jesus, it is impossible with man. So there is nothing you can do. There is no teaching you can come up with. There is no emotional stirring that you can have. There is no grasp on social media and communication skills that you can have that will qualify us outside of the judgment of God. It is impossible. That is the standard. Sorry, that is that is the outcome. That is the chance we have, impossibility. And I want to hold on to that because... It ties into the next two points as we come to an end to an end of this. And the fourth point is, what qualifies us? So our chance is impossible, but what qualifies us? And for this, we go to Romans. I love how just going from verse, like book to book, and seeing how it all confirmed itself. This is Romans five, eight to nine, and it says, "But God demonstrates His love, His own love for us, in this while we were still sinners." Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So what qualifies us? What qualifies us outside of the judgment of God? What gives us a favorable judgment? The sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That is what takes us outside of impossibility by man to a possibility by God. And there's something I want to talk about here that is very serious. I'm not going to dwell on it too long, but I need you. If we're going to take anything away from this episode today, let it be this. I'm going to read this verse again and then I'm going to say what I want to say. Or rather what I need to say because we need to hear this. Romans 5, 8 to 9. But God demonstrates His love, His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? And I'm going to, before I get in what I say, I want to speak in um, Corinthians 2, or rather, 2 Corinthians 5.21. And it says this. Oop! I lost it. Oh no, 2 Corinthians 5.21. I need to find it. Stick with me, guys. Oh, there you go. 2 Corinthians 5.21. And it says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right through Christ Jesus. I'm going to read it in a different version, because I, I, I I love this version. It says, this is the NIV. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The chance that we have to get a favorable judgment from God that does not throw us into eternity in hell is the sacrifice that qualifies us. Now, this is what I wanted to say. We must stop as Christians. Listen to me. If you are a Christian, you must stop calling yourself a sinner. You are not a sinner. You're a Christian that sins. Big difference. I am a man that repairs things in my house. I am not a handyman. I am not qualified in that. I could pick up a screwdriver. I could screw in some things. I could do ABC, but that does not make me a handyman. Doesn't make me, you know, the fact that I unclog my sink doesn't make me a plumber. Okay, the nature that we had, the sin nature that we had made us sinners. When we're in Christ, we have a new nature. We are told that we are given a new nature. That nature is righteousness in Christ. Nothing to do with us. And it hurts me when I hear people, and it hurts me when I realize this is what I was doing. I was calling myself a sinner when Christ, when God has called me righteous. And it is not a pride thing. If anything, it is the most humbling thing because I see how stained I was and how huge of a sacrifice he had to, 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 to give me because there is nothing that I could have ever done that would qualify me for his love. Nothing. I could never give enough. I could never love enough. I could never sacrifice enough. I could never do anything. And he came and he said to me, I have made you right. You are in right standing. You are the righteousness of God. And I continue to call myself a sinner. That is painful to Christ who took the weight of the cross for us. That's painful to our father who is calling us his children, but his own children are calling themselves something else other than righteous. Because, as we talked about in the previous verses, there is light cannot dwell, light does not mix with darkness, so why is it that we that we continue to grab on the nature of darkness while proclaiming to be children of the light? because that's what being a sinner is. it is a nature of sin, it is a darkness, so how can we take that and then still continue to call ourselves i'm going to tell you one thing: I am short of Standing in the mirror every day and having these affirmations, I do not condone that because those can go horribly wrong. Um, But I remind myself every day when the devil attacks me, when, when I fall short of God's grace, I remind myself that I have sinned, but I am not a sinner. That I am righteous. Righteous in God, the righteousness of God through Christ and his sacrifice. I remind myself of that because that takes me to this final thing that we're going to talk about. It takes me to the favorable judgment from God. Because like it or not, God judges. And I took us through all that to bring us back to Revelation 20, verse, verse 15. Because that's what ties all of this together as we come to the end. And I need you to just focus on something for me we're going to talk about two verses this and john 10 7 to 11 i'm going to read out 15 again it says anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire john 10 7 to 11 says this and i love it this is jesus speaking he says therefore jesus said again very truly i tell you i am at the gate for the sheep All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am at the gate. Oh, sorry. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. Go listen to that series as well. It was so amazing. I loved it. I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down the, I am, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now I'll focus on 10, the second part of um, verse 10. It says the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. The second part says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now let's bring that back into Revelation. Anyone whose name was not found in the book of life was thrown into the fire. Jesus does not speak about life or anything. Every time that he speaks, he does not speak about things in just this world. He speaks into our eternity. And here we are, knowing that God judges, knowing that his judgment is perfect, knowing that we have no chance of escaping that judgment and wondering if we have a chance and seeing that the chance is a possibility but God saying that I send my Son to die for you, and He has fulfilled my wrath for those that are found righteous and right standing with me, so we know that we have the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that qualifies us. And it qualifies us that God's perfect judgment now finds us in the book of life. And what is the book of life? It is Jesus Christ. Oh man, that broke me. Jesus came. That we may have life and have life to the full. You want to know how you get to the book of life. It's not by good deeds. It's not by counting and weighing. I did A, B, C. I've done one, two, three. It's not by, by your family ties. It's not by how, 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 how successful you've been. It's not even by how many times you pray. It is by being found in Christ. Because in there you have life. And when you have life, you are written in the book of life. Because the book of life is a book that talks about those that have life. (laughs) It is a book that states, that shows those those that have life. That is to say that, and I said this earlier, we have people that are living dead. Anyone that is outside of Christ is living dead. And it doesn't matter what they do, what they say, how they live their lives, how many in numbers they are. They are living dead and they will not be found in the book of life and it's very interesting because it says that God will judge us on our deeds. So I want you to, to like see this. There is a there is a standard of God which is perfection. Nothing can be perfect. In us humans, we can never do anything perfect. So God will judge us for those who are not found in Him on that standard. And that is why we will fail. Because we cannot love perfectly, we cannot give perfectly, there is nothing in us that is perfect, there is a sin nature in those that are sinners that disqualifies them from a judgment that is favorable, that gives them life in eternity. So because of that, they will be found guilty, they will be thrown into the pit, into the fire. When it comes to us though, because we are found in Christ, we are made righteous, we are in right standing with God and he gives, and he through Jesus Christ gives us life. We will be judged on the deeds of our lives. And this is interesting. Because we are found inside Christ, it is the one that houses us who will be judged. And when God judges Christ, he finds him perfect. And when he finds Christ perfect, because we are found in Christ, we are perfect and because we have been found perfect we are in the book of life that guarantees us an eternity with God like it or not God judges and I'd add a second part to that like it or not God judges and I love it man God is so good it's it's so strange. It was so silent and did right now. Like I again, I don't know if the mic is gonna pick this up, but all the mosques are shouting and singing and all these things. And in my heart, in this room I'm in, I am found in life. I am found in the life of Christ. And to be in this life, to be in to be found in Christ is to go out and do what Christ has sent us to do, to go out and proclaim. And I read that verse to go out and proclaim. Christ to go and make him known not to hide this because that is there's no love in that and we're going to talk about that in this series as well to have and to know this gift that has been given to me and to know the standard of Christ and the the and to know that I am made perfect in Christ and therefore I have life that empowers me to go and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and I pray that this is where this finds you today as we end this conversation. Man, God loves you. God loves all of us. And for us who are in Christ, we are the righteousness of God. Looking forward to the judgment that is coming because we know that we are found in the book of life. But as we wait, as we celebrate, as we walk in that assurance, we make sure that we take as many people as we can with us, not by our strength, not by being relatable, Not by going out and, you know, being in places where we know people will be. By simply preaching the gospel of Christ. Because that in itself is powerful enough. There is nothing that can be added or taken away from that. Preach the gospel. By doing that, we are extending that saving grace to every single person around us. And I cannot wait to see you in this life or the next talking about the goodness of God and the simplicity of the gospel that saved you, saved your family, saved your friends, saved the strangers around you that made you look very weird <laughs> but still pushed you through. Wow, okay. Ah, oh, that is amazing. I'm going to end it there. Um, But before I go, I'm just going to say this. There's someone who may, maybe has been listening this whole time and has questioned if they're in the book of life or they're not in the book of life. I can tell you, if you do not know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you do not have a grasp of the Bible to the best that you can, if you do not have an intimate relationship with God, then the answer to that is no, you do not know Christ. And your name is not in the book of life. But because you are breathing, just like I read in the book of Romans, his nature is present. And right now you are beginning to be aware of the bigness of this truth that is Christ, that is God, that is the Holy Spirit. And He's been there. He's always been there. Just calling your name, waiting for you to turn to Him that He may give you the power that it takes to be known by Him. It's not in our strength. It's impossible for us. But we say yes to Him that He may teach us how to love Him, that He may show us how to be found in him and how to remain. And if that's you and you just want to get to a place where it's just you and God, with the certainty of being in the book of life, I invite you into this prayer. And this prayer is not a chant. You're not going to say it and then you're just all of a sudden going to be like transported somewhere. I, I know that could happen, but that's not what happens usually. This is only a confession in our mouths, that is then followed by a confession in our hearts, which is a working of Christ in us. And that is going to involve a lot of cutting away of things. It's going to involve a lot of sacrifice. It's going to involve a lot of pain. It's going to involve a difficult conversation. It's going to involve proclaiming the word of God. So if that's you, and you are sick and tired of life as it is, and you are just so desperate for a change that is soul-changing, a soul-changing change, from the one who has the power to destroy the body and the soul, but who also has the power to build the body and build the soul. I want you to say this prayer with me. God, here I am. I'm tired. I need you, Jesus. I've heard that you died on the cross for me, but I've never known what that truly meant. Show me. Holy Spirit, walk with me. Guide me. Father, love me. Let me be aware of the love that you have for me. And let me live in a hope a hope of the future beyond this life into eternity. That I'll get to see you face to face. And I'll get to spend all my days with you. Work in my heart. as I surrender to you right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen, that prayer, like I said, it's not a chant. It's not like this thing that takes you to a whole other dimension. If you did go to another dimension, reach out, tell me what you saw. Um, But what it does, it is a confession in our mouths that then is followed by a confession in our hearts. And I'm going to tell you now, God is going to start speaking to you. He's going to start speaking to you about the most important thing that we need in this life, which is community. And I'd encourage you that if you're not in a local church, if you're not in a biblically sound church, that you find one, find a local community that holds you accountable, that allows you to be able to grow in Christ, that the confession in your mouth may sink to your heart. And that may turn into a true biblical belief that you may be found in right standing with God. I love that you're, ba- that you're here with us. I love it. And I, I, I know that there is a party in heaven there is a celebration in heaven for you and if you can reach out on the Instagram page, I'd love to hear your story. I would love to get to know you. I would love to pray for you, pray with you in any single way. E- even if you're not, you know, even if you've been saved or whatever, reach out on Instagram, send us a, a DM, a text, um, whatever it is, just reach out and share your story. Um, let me know how I can pray for you. I have friends that love to pray. I would, we would love to pray with you and for you. Um, we'd love to know your story. doesn't matter how crazy or how not crazy it is. It is a testimony of the love of God in your life. It is a testimony of the perfect judgment of God. Because if we like it or not, God judges. I'll see you on the next one. Love you all. Have a beautiful time. Bye-bye.